Yeah, Mark Herman's done this before, hasn't he? Yes, yes. Yes, with a kind of a linear, you know, one-on-one player game that's rather small and contained and modest. That's true. Um, <laughs> all, all those are true things. Uh, but, but now we're into the world of, of complexity and chaos and multifactional affairs. So we'll see. Okay, any questions about any of that? Yes. My understanding was you were going to be blindfolded. Um, it, that is correct. That was your understanding. Next question. Hey gang, it's Harold, and here's a special podcast. I recorded some of the sounds of the 2018 San Diego Historical Games Convention. The SD HisCon took place over Veterans Day weekend in November and included special guests John Butterfield, Ananda Gupta, Mark Herman, Morgan guyon Rite, and Volko Runka, to name a few. In this first segment, Volko kicks off our designer challenge. This year, the focus is on the coin game Pendragon. Along with the game's designer, Morgan guyon Rite, Volko takes on five games. Each played one of the barbarian factions and moved between tables to take their turns. We're going to check in with them while they play through the challenge. We'll also check in with other players at the convention to see what they're playing and how it's going. We'll start the podcast checking in with Morgan and Volko as they kick off the designer challenge. Okay. All right, so we can we, uh, we can we can open. Okay. So, welcome to the Designer Exhibition Pendragon Tournament. Thanks, Britons, for joining us. Uh, I am Volko. I'm the developer of this game. This is Morgan Guyanretti. She is the designer of the game. We will be taking the role of the barbarians, and as you know, you'll all be the Britons. So I just want to give you some guidance and ask you for some procedures that will be a little bit different to keep things moving. We are going to be playing the full scenario with the normal rules. No rules changes. Or, uh, this is rules as written for this tournament. And that means we're all competing here as individuals. That is to say, I'm not, I've not got some secret cons- barbarian conspiracy with Morgan as the Saxons uh, and the Scotty beyond what would occur in any normal four-player game. Right? We are, I'm going to ensure that the Saxons triumph on five out of five boards and that the Scotty go down in flames. That's fine by me. The same is true for you. If you want to have your name celebrated in the Chronicles as the rescuer of of Britannia, rather than being forgotten, you have to defeat the other three of us, right? So Dukes, you're playing for Dukes. Kivitates, you're playing for Kivitates, and that's just the normal Pendragon experience. Remember, you cannot win together. There's, there's really no way for you both to win together. So that's the way it goes. It's, it's a rough time in history. So, a few, so the rules are the same. The victory conditions are the same. Uh, so a few procedures. My concern in doing it this way is not so much, um, advan- of course I don't want to advantage anybody or disadvantaging anybody, but I want to keep things moving because I don't want you guys having to wait too long as Morgan and I are doing the minuet of the five tables here. So here's what I want to ask you to do to, to keep things moving. Take a spare faction fold-out, and this is going to be the, the flag. So fold it so that the barbarians are on the outside, and when it's green's turn to do something, set it up by your map table with the green facing inside, and then Morgan will be able to see, okay, that I, I'm a, I am needed over there. And it'll get, allow us to also see, I'm hoping, that, okay, well, that 
you know, I got to go here and there, but that one went up first, so I'm going to go there first. Same for the Saxons. So if this thing is standing up, we're needed for a move at, at your table, okay? All right. Second thing is if you could, this is not a bad thing to do in any event, but when, after we resolve an epic card and you put that on the deck, if you could cant that by 90 degrees, just turn it sideways to the deck so that as the event cards stack on that, it's a little easier to see at a glance how many cards have gone by since the last epoch. That'll just make it easier to, to spot that. And finally, it may be if things are going a little bit, if you know, we're just processing things too slowly, we may ask you to do some of the raid procedure. That is to say, we're going to be coming by and saying, okay, we're going to raid, and we're going to raid here, here, and here, and we'll put down some pawns. If we're running behind to keep things faster, we may ask you, go ahead and resolve those raids for us. You know, roll the dice, place the raiders, take the plunder, and we'll give you some guidance like, um, you know, that ravage is happening here, or don't fight, or fight if, if three raiders make it through or whatever, or we may revisit. So we're going to be doing this using our judgment, and I don't want to, you know, impose too much on you guys for those procedure things, but if we are running behind, since this is a totally experiment, I've never done this before at all, then we may ask you to help us in that way, if that's okay. If you need advice, just come by, I'll, get, I'll help you out. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark Kerman's done this before, hasn't he? Yes, yes. Yes, with a kind of a linear, you know, one-on-one -on -one player game that's rather small and contained and modest. That's true. Um, <laughs> all, all those are true things. <laughs> uh, but, but now we're into the world of, of complexity and chaos and multifactional affairs, so we'll see. Okay, any questions about any of that? Yes. My understanding was you were going to be blindfolded. <laughs> um, it, that is correct. That was your understanding. Next question. Okay, then. So then we'll uh, go ahead and uh, launch and simply bumble our way through it. We're living history the first time through, as they did in the real thing. That's and right. thanks so much, Harold, for setting this up. And thanks, everyone, for participating. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so one final thought. There are prizes. There are. Along with the, the glory of being recorded in the Chronicles and getting an abject uh, signature from a designer or developer, if you would like, as a winner, um, there will be prizes for the winners. But again, the, the, the determination of how those prizes are distributed will be heavily influenced by who actually wins as an individual. But all prizes will be distributed. Notice he's trying to break us apart. Just pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. So let's go ahead and you prepared your decks, and I'd say flip them and uh, put up your, your cards if we have a Scotty or Saxon move anywhere first. And good luck to everyone. Could you? Can I get some introductory comments from the two of you? Uh, Ron and Mark Herman. Dex Uber Alles. I'm, I, all I want to do is uh, try to uh, hammer Volko into the ground. Actually, is all I care about. <laughs> I already have his signature. It's on a contract for For the People. So I don't, you know, fire in the lake, actually. So I don't need any more signatures. <laughs>
Oh, we had a. What happened here? We had a Saxon raid already? Yes, this was the first card. Oh, sorry, I'm not looking at the right card. I took the event. Oh, you took the event. Okay, I see. Uh, okay, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to red too. Uh, so I'm going full red. So four reds, uh, cost of one each. Here, so I'm, I'm spending four resources. I'm going to do a surprise here. Let's go. Uh, so. Starting here, bring two dice. Eight. Eight, yes. <laughs> so we get eight raiders. I plunder one because it's a pop one. Region. Um, so it goes down by one. Do you stay outside or do you go in? I'm going in. So, okay, so I tried a surprise. So you got one unit in, so you are missing three, so I roll four or less and I managed to, to, to surprise you. One, it's good. So there is no escalate. So you get the two intrinsic plus the garrison, so you kill three, and I kill everyone. So I plunder an extra three. Uh, I don't know where you got the extra plunder. Oops. And the control goes away since there is no longer a stronghold. So he's already, he already reminded me of a rule I forgot. So these guys are on the ball. Good, good news. So up. Yes. Now here. So I roll two dice. Oops. Three. Okay. So three, I plunder. One. <laughs> Do you stay indoors or outdoors? Okay, so I stop. I cannot take the uh, the hill fort with only three guys. Seven. That's better. So far, so good. Okay, so I plunder one. It's halfway through the first action, but it looks really good in Britain right now. Uh, you stay in or you go in? It's looking good. Okay, so. You can, uh, yeah, so I assault. Uh, so you're going you to kill me. You can ambush. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, inside. They don't want that event. Oh, yeah. So during the escalate phase, you're going to kill two. During the assault, another two. So you kill four total. I still take the hit fort. I took the event. I just, I just, I get an additional plunder. The hill fort and control goes away. Might be the wrong approach. Okay, here. Two dice. Seven. Seven. I'm doing good. Right. So I plunder two because this is a pop two region. My first move was approved. Stay in or stay in. So same thing, you kill four. And I destroy the stronghold for an extra plunder. And the control goes away. So you took so two, plunder. Two, two plunder and two and two control. Alright. That's it.
Okay. So if he has control, he's going to get one for the stronghold and one for the pop. So this would be so two militia. Two. two militia there. Yeah, if yep. you did it there, it would be two yes. militia, yep. yeah. So that would be your, your limited command muster. Yep, that's limited command muster there. Okay, and that takes us to the next card. Yep, so you want to card here, us? which is uh, Saxons. So Saxons are going to be full up on Isle of Avalon, and next is Vortigern. Oh, no! They came both in a row! That's not fair! <laughs> Saxons pass. So, Dukes, it's all for you on Isle of Avalon. They also change at the beginning of the routine at the epic round. Depending yeah, right. on the nature of things here, that yeah. can also right. shift so this the stuff coup, around. The coup card phase or propaganda phase. Okay. I, right. I and in terms of switching it between yeah, so who's dominant, yeah. it's a comparison of prestige and wealth. And you'll see, generally you have to have more wealth than prestige by good shot to take dominance away from the military. Which are you, Dukes or kids? Yeah, so if you want to do that to for an auto win, you need to build up wealth ahead of his prestige. And, and that happens in this interim phase before victory determination. That's right, yeah. So the first thing is you pay the Federati. So Mark, you can change this before you determine victory at the beginning of that winter quarters card. And in fact, before that, he gets a chance to hoard wealth very efficiently if there are any Britain resources left. But if they're all burned up, he, then there's no source of wealth. Yeah. Scotty, Scotty. Oh, that's done. Okay. <laughs> Get all the good dice rolls out of the way early. We'll be fine after this. That's how that works. Okay, so I plunder one. They're everywhere. Plunder one. Uh, do you stay out or get No, 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 no. So, yeah, salt, uh, you're going to kill two during the escalade, another two during, so you kill four. I take out the fourth, I get an extra plunder for the fourth. And I've got four left, which is awesome. And control, this is gone. Oh, yes. And control goes away down one, yes. Here. Five. Uh, I can't, can't get them all. Uh, okay, so I turned up two. Get in. That's it. That's it. So three. And I will fight and control it. Yeah, so during travel, That's it? Okay. Okay, excellent. So, yeah. this goes here. Doesn't this goes over now? No, so, uh, basically we tip this, like, and it's gonna just keep, let them keep track of how many, uh, actions passed because they can't count cards. Okay. So now, first up is the Saxons. <laughs> and the Saxons are gonna come over. Oh, Saxon, yeah, because it's loaded, okay. So it's going to be Saxon's will raid, and it's going to be raid plus speed, so it's probably going to be either Ravage or... Uh, so it looks like a lot of successful raids here. The first Scotty oh round was absolutely fantastic. They had, uh, what, 16 in just two of the provinces? I think 26 total raiders showed up in a single round, in, a, in the first action. So, uh, so far, so good. Can you give us a narrative, Volko? Sure, doing? so I'm not going to take Isle of Avalon because that would just affect uh, uh, Duke's casualties. We don't have any yet since we're near the beginning. I'm going to do some raiding and ravaging down here in the south. Uh, 
in, in Regni and Atravatis. They're gonna they're gonna fight me probably, but we'll see. Okay, so I'm gonna do a raiding. I'm not gonna spend my full. I'm gonna spend. You know, keep a little bit of reserve of renown. I'm going to raid with a Ravage, which is going to go after more plunder and possibly reduce population, which is part of the Kibitati score. I've got to come through the Roman fleet, unfortunately. So I'm rolling three dice in each case, but I'm subtracting three from the number of raiders. So Regni, for example, total roll is pretty good. So that's four, eight, minus three is five. So I get five raiders landing in Regni. And because it's a Ravage, they're not going to be limited by population in how much plunder they can take. They're going to take all four plunder because they can carry it. So these five guys reduce Britain prosperity by four. So one, two, three, four. And on a four, five, or six, they're going to reduce some population and create some refugees as well. So we need a six-sided die for that. Ah, thank you. You've got to have the right color die, otherwise, you know. Okay, so four, five, or six. No, so the population's okay. And now you guys can force me to fight there because it's a ravage. I'm not allowed to assault. Oh, if see. we fight, I've got five guys. Right. You're going to kill three of my guys, and I'm going to kill your cavalry. But that, that means that I do get one prestige for You're that. You're going to get a prestige because you fought. Let's do that, yeah. So. Okay. So I end up with two guys surviving. And the cavalry goes into casualties. And that particular raid is done. Okay, now the same thing happens, or similar thing in Atrabatis, where I'm also landing with three dice. Oi. Okay, so only two raiders, that's not good. And because there's only two of them, even though they're ravaging, they still can, they can only carry off two because that's all they can carry, plunder. We absolutely fight. And uh, we'll see whether the population got harmed or not. It did. So Atrabatis goes down to two population. That'll affect Britain control by one and give you a refugees marker. You put right there and a little two marker in there. And then you're going to fight and kill us. Yep. So the cavalry is going to kill these raiders. And, and you could return one prosperity, or the militia could get it for plunder, and it's up to you, the dupes. I would like to return it. Okay, so that, so the prosperity net just went down one there, right? Not a very good, yes. not a very good uh, ravaging raid. And that would be the end of the dukes. Okay. Raid and, and ravage. And Skyrim cannot go, so the only person to do is Kivitatas. You physically put cubes on the map. You physically put cubes on the map, and because you're adding prosperity. It can even go, well, you can never have more than twice the population. So this is, you got to find a place where you've lost prosperity for that to happen. So here's one you could add, here's one you could add, here's one you could add, that upper row. But you can see that you can't go into these little dotted boxes unless the population is increased. Okay, one, two, gotcha. So one, two, three, four, there you go. Yeah, so raid targets is what you're looking at right now to restore that prosperity. And you just put them right into the upper row there. Yeah, yeah. So you added four prosperity. Okay, and that's going to give the Scotty a full move with with Irish with Irish Shore. Okay, that's going to be a big one. Pelagius, I'm Jan Hengerst. So you took Pelagius. I did, yes. We gained uh, a bunch of we put prosperity here, 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 and there. Good, both targets. <laughs> We, we want you to come to the killing field. <laughs> uh, I'm down to two. 
Because I'm, I'm here, here. Uh, yeah. So, just a quick question. The this guy came and did not intercept. We couldn't because you didn't have. We, we you had no control. Oh, you had no control yet. Yes, yes, yes we played correctly. Yes. We would have intercepted, we could have. You wanted to intercept, but there was no control. Yeah. We were going to do it there, but... No, you had control, because no, it no, was only Raiders. No, no, what happened was he marched in here. That gave us back control. And then you we beat then, we, then I did it, yes, we yes. We had no pieces, yes. O'Shane Balloon runs a dune game at the con every year. He also runs a great board game convention out of Bellingham, Washington in January, if you have some time. Here, he and my son Trey give a recap of the game at different points. We also sprinkle in some additional updates of what's going on across the convention. So, Harold, we're, we're playing Dune here, the classic Avalon Hill game. Um, I happen to be House Harkonnen. And that means that I'm, I'm playing a, a, a bit of a game of mischief and bullying. And right now I'm trying to harass the Atreides, uh, mostly because every time I win a battle, I get to steal one of their leaders, which I can use for you know, other purposes. Um, I've engaged him in one battle already, and I'm going to do two more this turn. Uh, the, it's, we, we're at the beginning of the game, so not much has happened, but uh, everyone seems to be playing pretty cautiously, which I think is good. I think new players tend to play a little bit overzealously, and here everyone is being cautious about where they're placing, uh, where they're battling, and uh, so far so good. I think I think it'll turn out to be a very interesting game midway through, but we don't know how it's going to turn out yet. So this is Sturm Europa. It's a World War II grand strategy, and it covers 1939 to 1945 in Europe. Uh, it is, in a lot of ways, it's like a monster war game, but it plays a lot faster because I use Euro-style mechanics to kind of speed gameplay. There's a lot of things that players do simultaneously, such as uh, they plan their actions for the turn simultaneously, so it's not I go, you go. And it uses a lot of uh, more modern, innovative mechanics, like uh, there's a, uh, a um, deck-building element to it because you, you draft tiles. It's actually not uh, cards, it's tiles that you draft and you can trash them, so there is a deck building element to it, though it is not a deck builder. And it uses a chip pull mechanic, because you choose what tiles you're going to play, you put them into the draw bag, and the turn, uh, the actual turn is played out by drawing tiles out of the bag, and when one of your tiles comes out, you take actions. And those actions are very similar to a card-driven game, in that they can be an event, or you can perform operations. So it, it sort of borrows elements from a lot of genres that players are familiar with, but I don't think there's ever been a game that puts them together in this manner. So Cataclysm is very popular right now. Yep. You, you compared it in a way to Cataclysm. What's the relative position? Yeah, so uh, Cataclysm uses a chip pull mechanic. Uh, my, my tile system is somewhat similar to their chip pull mechanic. Um, where this game really differs from Cataclysm, Cataclysm is intended to be a second world war it says that right on the box it's not meant to be world war ii if you like a cataclysm style game but you want it to be a little bit meatier drill down one more level more like world war ii that's what this that that's the uh itch that this is going to scratch it really uh if you like eastern front barbarossa kursk 
all that sort of back and forth, you're going to see that in this game. Um, but it's at a higher level that it's not going to take you 40 hours to play. That works. Name, Tom, rank, plebe. Uh, <laughs> so what are you playing? Uh, OCS Korea. And why? Because it's a great game, good system. Uh, ran into these three gentlemen, and they were asking if I knew about any of the rules, and I said maybe a little. And, uh, yeah, so I was drafted in and uh, playing on the NATO side and uh, watching the North Koreans lose. So it's a lot of fun. You got your laptop out in front? Yeah, laptop out in front, just referencing rules. Uh, nice little search and uh, look up in the event that we need to look for anything. And outside of that, uh, I should be Twittering as well, but I'm not. So <laughs> We can do that later. Yeah. How's, how does the system work for, uh, for this era? Uh, it actually works pretty well, uh, specifically around the rail movement and more or less the, the Chrome around OCS, the latest version. Uh, I would definitely say it's it's smooth, it, it's easy to comprehend, and there's a lot of maneuver in this game in this era. So Korean War, you know, the beginning phase of it, they're uh, they're moving. So yeah, it's cool. Thanks a lot. No problem. Well, so far there are no barbarian settlements. Very happy about that. The, we got the ocean uh, Hibernicus patrolled, which so instead the uh, the cursed Irish are walking in over land and coming in from uh, the east. And so far, it's not going terrible. I feel like I feel like uh, yeah. The the only problem is is that we're running low on troops because we haven't hired any uh, mercenaries. So I think that the big thing is we got to start training up some Roman militia, and we're gonna have to start hiring some mercenaries to try and clean this up, but holding off as long as possible for it because mercenaries cost money. So that's the update. So I will um, I'll ravage down here okay. only. I won't ravage up, up there. How are we doing? So we're going to try and... This has been a really strong Britain defense. They still have all their forts, but then their fleet uh, rotted away on them. And so at this moment, we're doing the Barbarian Conspiracy, the big lunge in which the uh, Scotty and the Saxons are coordinating. The Scotty have come in and done their thing, and uh, now the Saxons are going to try to get ashore. They've been battled off a couple times, I think, and we'll see. We might, we might see the Imperium degrade in the next epoch. That's it. Dune's going really well. Uh, we just finished turn three. We, uh, O'Shane and I tried to finish the game uh, turn three, and um, we factions? lost... Um, I am, he's our Conan, I'm playing the guild, um, Spacing Guild, so we almost had it, we only kept three of the four needed, um, we lost one that I thought I could win because I had a trader card for the Fremen, but he didn't play, end up playing that, um, hero, so I couldn't end up using it, um, which ended up, that's how we lost that stronghold. The board game boot camp has been with us since the beginning. Tim and Carl spend most of their con teaching games and spreading the love. No push-ups required. How's the con so far for the board game boot camp? Um, I would say pretty exciting. We've been uh, really kind of getting a lot of um, people coming by, curious about games they've never seen before, which for us is always really exciting. Yes, that's, my name is Tim. I'm with the board game boot camp. Um, <laughs> We like to teach games to people, new games, different games, to, to newbies or people who are experienced war gamers. 
introduce new stuff for them yeah. and uh, spread the love of games. Yes. So what games have you been teaching? Um, wow. Uh, we've had quite a litany, actually, except for Tim, who's kind of been doing a lot Seriously. of W1815, which is very, very popular. No, but you know what? That's okay, too. I mean, we don't mind doing the same game over again because generating interest is really what we're about. And so, you know, he's been doing a lot of that. Uh, I've been I've been running some hearts and minds from Worthington Games, which is always popular. A lot of people are always excited about that game. Uh, I taught some, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Al Buera. Al, Al Buera 1811. 1811 from White, White Dog Games. See, I'm good at teaching. I can't pronounce them, but I'm good at teaching. I challenged that first yeah. thing he says. But. And uh, that... that turned out to be something that a, a couple other people came by and want to come by later. Uh, we did a Skies Above the Right, Jerry's new game. Um, that seems to be really popular when we get a small group of like three or four people, even though it's a solo game. A lot of guys seem to really get into it when they're teaming up and trying to trying to do that. And, uh, oh, yeah. And, uh... He's the designer of Sturm Europa, which is... Getting yeah. to the end of development, is it? Nice yeah. Guy. Nice guy. Uh, we've been playing Pretty that man. for the last two weeks. Yeah. So. But, um, yeah, and we have some other requests. Uh, some of the guys sitting around us are also helping out. i got to give some credit to Eric uh, Riser. He's been showing some people some games for us, too. He's doing Ling Ligny, the uh, Hexasim game. Ligny. Oh, Ligny. Ligny. Ligny 1815. Yeah. Hexasim. See, again, my pronunciations <laughs> need work. If you had a but sign, you could hold on. I, yeah, or, you know, one of those this phonetic yes. <laughs> I apologize why I put you yeah. in the words. We can never really be tell what's going to be popular. Like last year, you did Hearts and Minds over several days, and partially because it was on the table, partially because it was getting an interest. So, of course, a group of people attracts more people around. Um, but yeah, skies above the right. We, people want to do that again today. Um, we have to have a big uh, thank you to uh, to Mark and Jerry for donating some copies to us. Yep. And we're glad to uh, to help them promote their uh, their game. Um, I've also been helping out. There's a few games of Labyrinth by Volco um, that are going on here. That I've been been helping them some some newbies to the game get through their first play, which is always good. It's what we like to do. We like to people to play games that we enjoy and if we can help out. Um, I also did uh, Great War Commander yesterday and uh, taught some guys and uh, what we like to do is we don't really want to play the games, we want to teach them. So then we can advise both sides and direct both sides and, and teach it thoroughly and fairly so that the people have a good enjoyable time you know, playing with friends or making new friends playing games. So that's really part of our policy is we teach you play how are we doing mark we're doing great what are we playing uh we are playing gettysburg you know the new ma uh, my new game that's going into the next issue of the magazine c3i c3i and i stole eight dice from you i need the bags <laughs> i don't want to announce officially that i stole it right but i feel good about it yeah no that's good no, actually we were playing liber this is a liberation <laughs> i liberated the dice <laughs> Hang on, I got, yeah. you got a, we got a question. Uh, 
and, and you turn we go back and forth. Back and forth. And, and, but once you pass, you're out. One pass is a permanent pass. Let me ask you a question. On that turn. For that turn, yes. And then the other guy, then you roll the dice. Yeah. Pass on an attack, you mean? Correct. Or was he passes on his movement? No, moving, you pass on moving, you pass on attacking. That's it. Mark, one other question. So can we use artillery so multiple attack times back any turn? Until you run out of bullets. Until you run out of bullets. Okay, so you can't know. The guns are good until you run out of bullets. <laughs> or it blows up. Uh, well, there's a case on exploding, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. But you got to roll sixes. Yeah, when you play with my friend Gons, he rolls a lot of sixes. That's not good. <laughs> so, Roger, it's Mark here. Uh, taught ten people how to play the game. It took uh, eight minutes, and they're all playing. I did, also just took a picture. We've got five games going, and no two, no two games are the same. So I'm thinking we're okay. Yeah, we're doing. Oh, and, and the, one of them actually are playing the game based on the rules. I they got late, so they had to read the rules to play. So I'm going to call it a, a good day. Are you going to report to Roger that you stole a bunch of my dice? No, no. I, I want to admit freely to the whole world I stole eight bags of dice. I needed eight bags for the pieces. Wow. You'll get you'll get the bill. I, no, no. Send it to Roger. <laughs> Now I need to decide, have I marched enough Saxon warbands in around Londinium to actually take it in a future battle? And that requires arithmetic, so this is going to take some time. It seems like the pace of the Barbarian Horde has lessened. I don't know if you can <laughs> see it on the map, but I've noticed that the Barbarian players are seated more often than oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I even, see them less often than I yeah. Even Barbarians like cushioned chairs. Is that what you're pointing right, out? Right. Yeah. But at this point, we have four games instead of five, so that's, that's right. good progress. Yeah, right? no, we're doing good. The progress is good. Progress is good. And that was a, uh, yep, that was a Britain win, Kivitatis win on the first table. Morgan, you raise your time, baby. <laughs> I've noticed that the Barbarian Horde is seated more often than not, as yes. opposed to at the beginning of the game when the Barbarian Horde was standing. That, that's just a, a problem with the ergonomy. You know, the tables are too low. <laughs> you need bar tables. Yes. So what's the, what's the status of this game, Morgan? Well, I've been hunted out of this map a couple of times. Uh, the last time was particularly painful here. Um, and, and Saxons have not been making any major headway in the south. So Volko has been imploring me to play my Conspiracy Barbarica event, and I just said yes. Ah, excellent. So this is going to be the fourth, third or fourth Conspiracy of today. So, uh, no, it's, it's bizarre because I've got, quite often, that's actually something which happens a lot with the Scotty. I've got three great cards in play. And my board position stinks. Really? Yeah. And it tends to be that way. If you kind of over commit some cards, I mean, that's all actions you don't take. Right. And so, uh, but, but these cards were just too good to pass. Right. So, hopefully, at some point, I mean, my renown is not too bad. It's the problem is that I have nothing on the map. And hopefully these will pay your dividends late in the game. They should, yes. yes. They should. This has been fun. This is, this is uh, one of my favorite cards in the world game, Nayal Nayagetland. It allows you, it's essentially you've got the hiking in Ireland, which allows you to, to sort of organize your raids. 
because the big thing with the Raiders and the Barbarians in general is that you never know. You, 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 you send raids and you never know how strong they're going to be, right? Now, see here, I've got this build-up here and I'm going to do more of that. So if I want to take a place, I can. Uh, so, so that, that should yeah. pay dividends. That should pay dividends. Uh, okay, let's go. This is a game called 1844. It's a 18xx game system in Switzerland by the uh, uh, Orgler and Ole. Uh, published this uh, years ago. It has since been republished by Mayfair uh, as 1844 and 1854, another one in the same system, all in one box. This is their, their first version of it. We just got into phase five where the Swiss railway was formed from people holding a bunch of minor railways around the map and they had to surrender them into the, uh, the government railway. And that's where we're at in the game right now. So, um, Treg, I played with Treg before. He's usually a pretty offensive player. He does things that are untoward and inappropriate. Is that, how's, been your, how's been your experience with Treg today? Uh, he started the only company I wanted to start in the game just ahead of me. So it's, it's usual with Treg. <laughs> All right, and uh, who's winning at this point? Uh, you know, it's hard to tell. If you just look at cash only, uh, that's probably me uh, for stock value plus cash. Um, but, you know, things can come from behind and change depending on uh, how the trains flow and things like that. Game's not over in phase five in any of these rail games. How many phases do we have? There's eight phases. Uh, yeah, so we've been playing Megasiv for, four, well, three years now, and Advanced Civ one year before that, and it's become a tradition at this point. We have a core of very loyal players, and, like, we all are trying to recruit new people, and, you know, it's, like, six to twelve hours of pure delight, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping next year we can get up to 18 players. That's my personal goal. Is that a realistic goal, Jeff? Um, I think 18 is a little optimistic for this crowd, but uh, we, we did get to nine, although we had a couple uh, guys who were really not 100% committed on the time. But we wanted to get them in the game, and they were and, and, you know, enthusiastic about the game for about an hour. Well, a little bit more than that, so I think we may have recruited a couple more players towards that 18 goal. So uh, it was a good game. Paul won again, so next time, Paul, you better watch it. You got a mark on you, man, because uh, we're not letting you get away with that again. <laughs> so what's the strategy? Uh, the strategy is mostly in the trading. It, don't get distracted by the map. The map is a big, the map is a thing, and you don't want to usually, like, spend too much effort. Stable borders are good, good fences make good neighbors in this case. In this game, it's like one of those historical games that's, you can do war, but it's a real bad idea. And usually what you just want to do is make sure that you trade well. That's trade cards, get you advancements, get you points. So did, uh, was Paul ever dishonest about what he was trading to you? <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> but that's part of the game. So, yeah, I feel like uh, one thing Paul taught me about playing the game is to not be shy about taking calamities. So as long as the trade's a good one, you know, you might, you might trade that calamity away. You don't know what's going to happen. So I've never hesitated to make a, a calamity-infested trade myself. Yeah. Jeff, did anybody get their feelings hurt in the trade? No, I don't think I don't think so. I think trading went pretty smoothly. Even the newer players seemed to take the lumps and, and the good and the bad together and realize that uh, you know everybody was everybody was suffering equally in that sense. Uh, trading is trading is a little bit of an art form, but there weren't any big disputes over 
the, the results or anything of that order. So usually what you and I end up in. Uh, it happens. Yeah, it happens. We don't end up in it, but it seems like... But it happens when we play, yeah. But, you know, that was... I think those were anomalies. This, this, this group we had today, and in fact, every time we played at this con, I can't recall a single dispute about, serious dispute about trades. So everybody's been really good. So it's awesome. Yeah. And you guys came down from? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Is it a good, worth the trip? Yes, absolutely. Yes, very happy to come back, see everyone, even though some people did say some disparaging things about our new home, just in, in jest. Uh, <laughs> we had a great time. And it's good to be back and be in the sunshine and see everybody again. So, so the disparaging comments, is that after a trade? <laughs> I think that was trash talk. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess I got a rep at this point. <laughs> so do you guys assign assign the kingdoms ran- randomly? Uh, it's semi-randomly. Uh, there's, there's, we follow, I think, the printed rules, which are you deal out numbered cards, and then that's the order you pick your nations in. We, we chose west for this one. Sometimes We've played east before. We're not really that picky. So... But I, think, I think the majority decision was the West was a better, a more playable map. I think it was more than one person. Not I was one of them that didn't like the East map experience. Yeah. So it's a little more intense. Yeah. The nice thing, the nice thing about the Western map is it has the Mediterranean. Is a nice like once you start getting advanced enough, all the nations tend to fo- like have access to each other if they want to. So like you really right on the eastern board it can sometimes be the far parts of India really are never going to talk to the far parts of Arabia you know what although we did this time have uh, both Rome and Greece fell prey to a horrible misfortune and no one could inhabit those lands any longer which is very historical they got the leaving the game disease so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which kind of was unusual because they occupied kind of a central area in the map Rome and uh, that wasn't Greece it was Crete. Crete yeah the Minoans basically so that was a little bit awkward and it kind of changed the game quite a bit uh, but you know, we didn't have any other choice so that's but the game does have rules for people who are leaving thankfully so John Butterfield is here to talk about enemy action Kharkov as well as Space Corp. Yeah, well, Richard and I are playing Enemy Action Kharkov, and it's the uh, follow-on to Enemy Action Ardennes, which came out about four years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, three years ago, anyway. And um, this is on the third Battle of Kharkov in uh, February of 1943, uh, in which the Soviets launched... Um, Operation Star and Operation Gallup, and they made a lot of progress, but then von, Man- von Manstein marshaled his forces and, and conducted what's called the backhand blow. So the game covers both those things uh, using the same system, as I said, as Enemy Action Ardennes, which is a card-driven uh, operational-level uh, war game with a lot of back and forth between the players. Um, you play cards to activate units or to bring in reserves or to, to cause events. You can also play your cards to help you in combat. Um, And the game has not only a two-player version, but has a solo version for the German side and for the Soviet side. The the two-player version is uh, pretty much done playtesting. The German solo version uh, is in the middle of playtesting, and uh, I'm still developing the 
the Soviets' uh, solo version. Uh, it's a different challenge from Ardennes. The Ardennes game is on the Battle of the Bulge, mm -hmm. and that's a very constrictive terrain uh, where the terrain is as much an obstacle in some cases as the enemy. Uh, here, this is the open plains of, uh, not plains, but the, uh, step, step, the open steps of, <laughs> of, this, of Russia, <laughs> and uh, there's, there's nothing to stop the enemy but the other forces, really, so uh, it, it, it creates a situation where you're, you're constantly trying to uh, do more with not enough forces. Uh, on the board. I think my German opponent feels that more than I do. Yes, I'm, I'm playing you. the Russians. <laughs> yes. I'm getting a quick lesson on getting Especially beat. early on. Yeah. What, what are you playing and what are you, what are you doing? I'm playing uh, Space Corps by John Butterfield and I'm playing the solo version of the game. I did play a four-player game yesterday to learn the ropes, but today I'm playing by myself to give it a, a run through. Basically, I'm trying to... Um, dominate the, the comp competition, which is the AI player in this game, and I'm in era three of the three eras in the game, and I'm getting beat down pretty good so far. So um, that's a good sign. I always like to lose the first solo game I play, because uh, it always uh, leaves plenty of opportunity for improvement. <laughs> you don't want to beat them too easily the first time through, because then you get less motivated to play again so yeah it's um it's a very smooth playing game it's very easy to run the ai it's um relatively abstracted ai that's that's uh, uh very tough to beat but yeah it's a very enjoyable experience i've enjoyed it a lot and finally volko and morgan give us a debrief of the pendragon designer challenge uh, all right so yeah i think one of the um most um, remarkable feature of playing five games simultaneously is that typically you will not see events popping up, you know, maybe once every two or three games only due to the size of the deck, due to the number of epochs you're going to play. When you're playing five games, you're pretty much going to see every single event at least once. And you're going to see multiple events a number of times. And the way human mind is, is done, when it hurts you, you feel like you're seeing it at every table, which is definitely how I felt for a couple of them yesterday. Um, I think you were saying at one point that Hibernicus, you were the Scotty, and Hibernicus was patrolled on whatever you thought it to. I think it was only patrolled on one table. No, but no, 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 no. But uh, it came up at at least four or five tables. That oh, that, that Hibernicus was patrolled at four or five tables? No, no, tables? it was patrolled at three. Yeah. It was um, shaded at one, thanks to you. Uh-huh. And one did not come up. Okay. So that's still four out of five. Where yes. statistically I, might think, have been I think you're still traumatized. Probably. <laughs> but the one which actually traumatized me the most was Swift Chargers, uh, which is yeah. a card I love. But, you know, it. I swear it came... It was played on me at least three times yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the kind, of the, the kind of card where it's played on you and you're like, ouch, but okay, that's once. But when it happens three times. <laughs> this is what I think yeah. SD Histcon has become famous for, is these sorts of opportunities for players to, to persecute designers <laughs> with you know, repeated infliction of their own designs upon them. It's really a very unique opportunity you've created here, Harold. Yes. Okay. No, I, it, so in the kind of the, what uh, that reminds me of is Stilico, which is the event in which 
a uh, is a Roman general brings a whole yep. brand new army into Britain, and so suddenly the Duke's cavalry that have been destroyed suddenly reappear en masse. I was the Saxons, which are mainly in the southeast, and the Dukes, and of course Stilicho coming from the continent brings his army right uh, right there in the southeast of Britannia where the um, Saxons are trying to scrape out their home. Yep. And that happened on two tables almost at the same time yes. against my Saxons. Next to each other. It went, yes, <laughs> and after I thought I had in one case pretty much destroyed the Dukes and they were suddenly back. Right. I, can, um, I know exactly which and, one. <laughs> and I think, was it in one or two of those cases, though at that time your Scotty were so far ahead that yes. fortunately Stilicho marched north with Saxon cooperation to... Oh, didn't I not say that yesterday? <laughs> uh, Harold, can you edit that part out? I don't want to put that on the record. Uh, to try to deal with the Scotty in the north. And then, of course... I don't And then the, the hitch with uh, Stilicho um, for the Dukes, for the Roman players, that, of course, the army leaves after an epoch. It's, yeah. it's a one epoch. So you're really only borrowing those forces. It's a big tide and then... And then after <laughs> which um, there's very little left of the Dukes. Part. And so it's a very dramatic flow across the board that might, you know, that might happen in your game of Pendragon. If you're playing one of the shorter scenarios, it's a smaller chance it happens. Yes. And here we had it happening twice at the same time. That's right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I see exactly what's able, and it, it was part of a mistake I made, probably out of fatigue, I guess, but which allowed it to go all the way north with Mariners by Sea. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still smarting because that's my own mistake. But I will, you will have to tell me how you stunned me on that one. But anyway. <laughs> um, well, just some gentle encouragement. No material support, okay, I promise you. But then the thing that uh, I found also surprising yesterday is that playing five tables, I was expecting maybe to see a wider range of developments on the island. Uh, and it started to go that way late. But the first three epochs, I would say, were, I would not say the same, because they were not, yeah. but they were not that dissimilar. And I, I don't know exactly why. Um, one possible, uh, you know, uh, reason I can think of is that both Volko and I obviously know the game and we applied a lot of pressure. So we may have driven them to react to our pressure for at least the first two epochs. And that because may we each have our own style of playing the barbarians, and that maybe also uh, maybe. drove certain yeah. reactions. I mean, I will say the other ha side of that coin is I could not keep all five tables straight. You oh, know, no. And I, I couldn't remember where do I have this oh, no, capability not. and where is this situation. So I had to reassess each situation as I walked up to that table. And as I came up, here's a part of the difference that was accentuated. Even though the course of events for the first three epochs or so was similar, I agree, I definitely had tables where the Roman system was holding together better and the Roman system was cracking faster. Mm -hmm. And I would sit down and tell them like, oh no, it's this table because <laughs> now I have no way in and what am I going to do? And other tables were, ah, good, I'm back to this and now I can I can spread my uh, war bands around. And you, would, and you would come to me begging for conspiracy. <laughs> yes, yes, please, please launch that conspiracy. We need it here. I can't. Even I think, think we ended up playing it on all four tables that did not end with the, the auto-victory by win. We had one auto-victory yeah. by a Kibitatis yeah. player at, upon the um, d uh, autonomy in, in Britain. Two. Yeah. And the others were, well, and we had one, um, it, if, it, if we had ended on that card, it would have been a Scotty auto-win. It just wasn't actually yeah. on the epoch. And all the other outcomes were adjudicated where we had the, the scores, including very, very close to, to auto-win. And we had a, yeah. did have a district. I don't think we had any Dukes wins, no. but, we, uh, but all other factions did win somewhere.
That's right. And that, that may be a, f a factor of the game having gone through three or four epochs, which is typically a time when the Dux is probably at its weakest. Yes. And the Kiritates at its best. So that may just be because of the length of the game. It is um, right, because we never got to the point of the Duke's player playing that pivotal card. No, because fragmentation occurred due to our ravaging. Right, and so and so that gives a little post-fragmentation boost Koelhen yep. to the Duke's player, and none of the players were able, yep. in that case, to take advantage of that. Oh. But anyway, I mean, it was. I think it was. A, it was definitely an experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope the players had as much fun as we did. Um, I'm sorry that we were probably not our, at our best in the last hour or last two <laughs> probably hours. Probably not. No. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. And um, we we tried to work the system so that there wouldn't be too much waiting while yes. we were task saturated, as it you know. Um, but but there was some waiting for the for the players. Um, uh, unfortunately, nevertheless, all of them remained engaged, and so I hope it was a good time. So, what were the results? The results uh, were that the Barbarians won on only two of the five tables. Correct. A Barbarian. Right. One was a Scotty win, one was a Saxon win, yeah. and the other three tables were Kivitate's wins. Yeah. So the designers combined won less than half the time. Yep. There you go. Which is not good. Very good. So that's a wrap on this podcast. I'll post a few notes and photos on my website, conflictsimulations.com. Thanks to Edgar Malik and his San Diego, California-based band, Shaolin Signal, for the intro and outro music. Check them out on Facebook and YouTube. I'll close with a special thanks to the participants of the 2018 SD HistCon. We're already working on a bigger, better event for 2019. Check out the website at sdhist.com or search for us on Facebook. And that's it for me. As always, still trying to find the dragon in Pendragon.